Hello and welcome once again to the Irish NFL podcast, brought to you in association with the42.ie. I'm Mark Cockrell, a fan of the firing New England Patriots on eight wins in a row. And I'm joined, as always, by Brian O'Leary, a fan of the firing New York Giants for very different reasons. Good afternoon, Mark. Good afternoon, Brian. Um, it's just the two of us today. Our fellow pod contributor, Gordon Bridgefield, unfortunately, is down on uh, work commitments down the country. But he was probably still stressing after the Steelers squeaked away away with a win on Monday Night Football. Uh, at least he's working, unlike some people we're going to talk about today. Um, Brian, you're our Mr. Consistency. I suppose you've never missed a pod thus far, and your streak doesn't end today. Unfortunately, the New York Giants quarterback's streak of consistency did come to a somewhat strange end. And when you think of where we were when we recorded the pod last Tuesday week ago, and I put it to you, are they going to bench Eli? Are they going to give the rookie a chance? And you didn't really think it was possible. In just, well, just a week even, just by the following Tuesday, all hell had broken loose. So you're a Giants fan for about 30 years. Break it down for us. I mean, take, take us through what happened and what your take on it all is. Yeah, it's been a bizarre week as a Giants fan. I mean, it's not been a great season, but... Again, the Giants still make headlines in the last week, and particular has been crazy. Where do you start with all this? You probably start with the owner and John Mara. Um, we had touched on, as you said, Mark, over the past while. Is there going to come a time in the season where the Giants decide that Manning shouldn't play? And Mara had approached both the general manager at the time, Jerry Reese, and McAdoo in terms of are we going to have a look at these other quarterbacks during the season? But meaning that bring them in and when the time is right, if the game is out, if the time if the game is gone. You know, make a decision maybe to give him a quarter. Not a hard stop in terms of what McAdoo uh, presented to Eli last week, which, which was you're going out of the game at halftime and Geno Smith's coming in purely as a kind of a gesture to say, look, you've got a very important thing going on here in terms of the streak. We'll let that continue. Where in fairness to Eli, um, he said, no, it's not about the streak. I'm, I want to play and I want to play and I want to win the game. And if you don't think I'm good the, enough the to, man or the good enough, yeah, to win the game well then I won't play and give Geno Smith the opportunity so I think it won it back forward to Mara because Mara thought Eli would be open to the idea but I think Eli might have been a little bit more persuasive to what's going on if he if he knew Davis Webb was going to be given an opportunity which is the third round pick last year in, in the draft which at to this see stage, if you can build around them yeah. yeah I mean you've taken the greatest quarterback of all time in New York Giants history I would I would say yes. I would say 210 win streak, two Super Bowls. Okay, he doesn't win any other games in the playoffs except for those two Super Bowls, but he's won two Super Bowls for you in dramatic fashion. And you say you're benching him for Geno Smith. Yeah, and if you think, look around the league, I mean, I can't recall a outrage, is that the right word? In terms of overall, in terms of what the feedback was across the league. I don't think the Giants, Mara in particular, the owner, um, I think McAdoo, look, he knew his time was coming to an end anyway, but Mara, I, didn't, I don't think he expected the onslaught that came across the league. Nearly every quarterback came out. Yeah, you know, February. Yeah, Rivers, obviously, who's Big inextricably linked to him. Big was Ben, Tom Brady, like all the guys, you know, the guys who are well-respected in the league all saying, what's going on here? This is crazy. Well, there was the infamous press conference or kind of um, press briefing by his locker where Eli, who always looks like a little puppy at the best of times, looked like, as though he was about to cry and was like seriously manned up and saying, well, did the best. And, and, and I think that really turned the public opinion against the decision. They, anyway, I mean, we bring it forward a little bit. They play the game. They lose 24-17 for, to the Raiders. Uh, you know, again, continue on, as you say, a very poor season for them. You then get to the Monday, 
And on the, I want to read this out because I love this this piece. Tenth of August, ESPN this year do all, always do this thing. Coaches on the hot seat, and who is you know uh, one to five, uh, five being very hot and one being ice cold. What is their likelihood of risk? And on August the tenth this year, they said Ben McAdoo number one, uh, as in one in terms of risk. Uh, he, uh, what, what what was it they described him as? They said. Uh, he went 11-5 in his first season as a four-year deal. That bought him enough space to feel confident and comfortable about his job. McAdoo, who has drastically changed the program from Tom Coughlin's previous approach, is definitely trending in the right direction. The early returns on him are positive. Look, I don't, I don't think... Q Monday. Yeah, but I don't think there's any Giants fans at the start of the season would have foreseen what's gone on. I certainly did, and I expected at least a playoff run. Um... What's happened this year in terms of how Tom Coughlin managed things against him, McAdoo. McAdoo's been very light on the younger players. McAdoo, or, uh, Odell Beckham, I mean, in terms of he hasn't done anything to kind of have a chat with him in terms of his behaviour on the field, in particular that game in Philadelphia. And then he just seemed to be throwing the older players under the bus. You know, uh, D- Dominic Rhodes come already banned because he wanted to go back on the field when he's injured. Okay, he still wants to get yeah. out there and help the team. Eli, he just continuously throwing Eli under the bus. And I mean, there's one thing you get, yeah, you can't do in New York is go after the Mannings. There's three people in New York you don't go after. Thomas Willett, the former mayor of New York, Thomas Farley, the head of New York Stock Exchange, and you don't go after the Mannings because you just won't win. And McAdoo's gone after Eli all year long. I thought you were going to say Archie Pace and Eli, to be honest. But well, I think Archie <laughs> should stay out of it, to be honest. I think he's coming out with too many statements, which I don't think is helping the situation. Saying that uh, Eli might retire and all of this. Yeah, but he says Eli might retire Sunday morning. By Sunday night, Eli's put a statement there saying, I'm not retiring. If I'm not playing in New York, I'll be playing somewhere else. It's not helping the situation. Yeah. So anyway, they have fired McAdoo. They fired Jerry Reese, the architect of two Super Bowl victories, but hasn't had enough wins as a GM and hasn't had enough drafts. Well, he's only had two players that were 75 that have been given long-term extensions. Yeah. He probably a- arguably said there's only three players realistically that have come out in the last, say, five or six years, and that'd be Landon Collins, Odell Beckham, and Ingram this year looks a top pick. The rest, they've underachieved. It's just one. Uh, they've one had some unfortunate incidents with first round pick, uh, the first round pick running back who suffered David a long Wilson. David Wilson who suffered a long term injury and things yeah. like that. Eli Apple's a bust. But oh Eli Apple's a complete bust. But they've completely blown it up now. And this is so un Giants like. It it's 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 been needed. It's been needed for a long time. You yeah, because even when McAdoo came in, there was a conversation around why should Jerry Reestale? Because Tom Coughlin got fired and and if ever there was a year probably to keep Coughlin, that was the year when there was 200 million available in the salary cap. Yeah. And if you look at the year... He had suffered that, for the years when they didn't have the cap. Yeah. yeah. So that was probably the best opportunity ever to give Tom an opportunity to put a team together. Now, I'm going to I'm gonna ask you, though. I mean, like as I say, it's very un-Giants. Like, is it the first time ever or the first time in a long time they've ever fired a coach mid-season? 41 years. 41 Not, years. Yeah. 1976, Bill Ad- Ansberger came from the Dolphins. They just won the Super Bowl with Miami. Looked good. You know, took over from Don Shula, won a Super Bowl within two years, came to the Giants, won seven games over 35, gone within a year and a half. McAdoo well, last year, McAdoo looked good and it didn't turn out that way. So where's next? You know, you've got a defense that's functional, um, but very expensive and the, the price will have to be paid at some point. You've either disenfranchised Eli Manning or you made a decision now you are moving on from him at some point. And you've no coach and you've no GM. I know Spags will, Spagnolo will go into the interim seat for a while. Is he the long-term solution? Are they going to recruit elsewhere? I mean, as a Giants fan, what do you want to see? I know you were disappointed you didn't get Peyton last year. Yeah, Sean Peyton, I thought that was the right man last year when they took McAdoo. In terms of where the Saints were at that particular time, they seemed to be at a crossroads. They didn't have the best season last year. They were eight and eight, and there was continuous talk of Sean Peyton moving on. And he had, he was a former Giant in terms of his, his coach there, 
and I just felt that was the right time to go and get him. I, I'm all in favour of these coaches that have the experience uh, rather than coaches that have kind of come up to the ranks in terms of McAdoo as an offence coordinator. Where we go from here, um, as George Young, our former GM, said, let's, let's find people who have a point to prove. And I think from a general manager perspective, David Gettleman, who got sacked in Carolina, he actually came from the Giants. So he went from the Giants to Carolina, yeah. put a team together, Structured a salary cap and got them to the Super Bowl. Okay, I think Gettleman would be a great pick. Yeah. Great pick up for you. And he's available. And we're now in a situation where we have three weeks to play with where the others don't. Can't, yeah, maybe so get Gettleman in and maybe get him to pick a head coach he can work with. Yeah, Mara did say he, his preference would be to have the general manager on board in terms of helping with the selection process. General, uh, in, terms of head, in terms of head coach, obvious names out there. We've had a bit of a chuckle this week around Josh McDaniels being... Keep your hands off. Keep your hands off. Um, he, does he, is he the right guy? Who knows? He didn't have a great time in... Denver, I know he did get them to the playoffs the fourth year and he, he worked with Tebow. So if we can put a better quarterback in place for him, Burton Tebow, which I imagine we can, we'd have a better chance. But uh, he it's didn't interesting. Make, he didn't make the playoffs. So he had oh, the collapse. That's he, right. he was 6-0 yeah. and oh and then they collapsed. Yeah. yeah, the one that worries me is Mike Smith from Atlanta. He was second in the interview process the last time. And he's been with Tampa and he's, in a, he's, a, he's done a defense this year that has done nothing. So yeah. why his name keeps coming up, I don't know. Um, but let's let's move away from just the Giants, okay? Yep. So other coaches on the hot seat. I mean, uh, McAdoo's the first coach to be fired in the year. Obviously, Black Monday, the last first Monday after the Week 17 games is coming up soon. Who else? Give me give me three names. Who else is going to get fired this year? Lance Joseph in, in Denver will be gone probably after this week. Yeah, I was I was going to use that one, but yeah, that's, that's so they're uh, playing the Jets on Sunday. They're three and seven. Um, if they can't beat the Jets at home again, you know, two teams with reasonably average quarterbacks, McCown against is a Simeon this week, I assume it is. Um, Elway's going to be ruthless there. There's no chance he's starting. He's, he's gone. Um, who else has gone? Hugh Jackson in, Dem- or, sorry, in Cleveland will go. Um, G- Gordon won't be happy with that since they're going to win seven games. They wouldn't love him. So <laughs> he's definitely, I'd imagine he's gone. Then where else now? There's going to be quite a John few. John Fox? Yeah, yeah. I've had a conversation with Noel, who's been on the podcast here. He's convinced Fox will go. Doing a reasonably good job this year um, in terms of players they brought in the draft. Cohen's touchdown last weekend. Yeah, Fantastic. it was classic. It was classic. Actually, you mentioned Hugh Jackson. It's a great one I want to bring up. Um, December the 4th, 2011. You might not remember this too well, but Jackson actually allowed uh, Rolando McLean to play after he'd been arrested for firing a gun next to someone's head and for posting a photo of himself with the gun. And, you know, you'd imagine suspension or disciplinary action. No, he let him play uh, uh, because he had a... Sorry, it was the arrest photo of him getting into the police car and he still let him play next Sunday. Since that incident, Hugh Jackson's record as a head coach is 2-30. and 30. Uh, Sorry, 2-31. and 31. Didn't include the, this week's game. So 2-31. and 31. Uh, His Raiders team dropped four of the five. Now the Browns have gone 1-27 uh, and 27 with him as the head coach. So, uh, you know, karma... And yeah. setting a scene might have some points, particularly in the Cleveland. I, I think we just we touched on a couple, but I imagine by the end of the season, come that black money, it'll be crazy. There's always a surprise. I, mean, I can't say, I, I don't know who it's going to be this year. I mean, that's, otherwise it wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. Uh, Pagano in Indianapolis will be gone. They, uh, that won't be a surprise. No. Um, Sean McDermott obviously is doing well enough with the, bi- bi- uh, the Bills. I think uh, Todd Bowles deserves to keep his job in the Jets. He's done a great job with a limited yeah. side there. So they were two people you were kind of querying at the start of the year. I mean, 
Sonny McDermott in his first run, you, you wondered, but he's Marvin Lewis in, in Cincinnati, but he'll probably retire, actually. That's the discussion. Marvin yeah. Lewis is the second longest coach after Belichick, and he has done nothing. I mean, in that time, Belichick's won five Super Bowls, or four Super Bowls, I think. it was. He uh, got hired in Cincinnati the year after 2001, um, and Marvin Lewis still hasn't won a playoff game. And we'll come to it, the, the Monday night game. Uh, the Monday night brawl. The Monday Night Brawl. So, look, let's kick off from the coaches talking back into the games. Monday Night Brawl, Steelers at Bengals. Bengals were up 17-0. Just before halftime, Steelers finally got something together and got a field goal. And I don't know about you, I was up late with the, the, the youngest child, uh, so I was actually watching most of Monday Night Football. And as soon as I saw that happen, I went, Steelers are going to win this game. Bengals don't have it. Consistent. Joe Mixon got injured. Uh, and that obviously stopped their run game. Ryan Shazier had an awful injury, still in the hospital, and you know thoughts and prayers with him uh, because it did look quite it, nasty. Well, I mean, it looked like he paralysed. To yeah. be honest with you, in the, the the immediate reaction, uh, it's not. It's extremely severe. Obviously, he's going to be out for the season, uh, but we just hope he recovers significantly. But like you say, the brawl, because after that, it was cheap shot after cheap shot. Yeah, well, Juju Schuster in particular went in after. Perfect. Or the, how you yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he went in with a kind of a. Oh, it's hard to say whether it was a nasty one, but it was. A, it was a cute one, shall we say? It was a crackback block, which technically was legal, but he got yeah. flagged for it. Well, Heinz Ward used to do them ones, and he has to make yes. as well. So <laughs> sometimes he didn't get flagged, and he broke people's jaws. But it was more the, the reaction, the uh, in in terms of going into his face. Yeah. And after the game, he comes out, and in fairness, he was apologising for his behaviour. But in the background, you can hear Antonio Brown in the dressing room going, karma, karma, karma. So Against perfect, yeah. yeah. It, uh, to be honest, the, the hit was bad, but it was actually the taunting, standing over him, intimidating. Yeah. But the thing is, when he, he probably knows the flag is out and he knows he's gonna, what he's going to do. It was a very interesting article in the ESPN this week that should have been a 30-yard penalty because how a player is going to really... Yes, I know, I agree. You should be a doubled up yeah. piece. Because it was only 15. Yeah. Uh, they changed the rule on that a few years ago because I remember Pats against Ravens in the 07 season. We won't talk about how that season finished, of course. Uh, but uh, there was at the end of the game when we got the fourth quarter comeback touchdown, multiple personal fouls, and they were all cumulative. And now that's, that's stopped. So I think, I think you should go back to that principle. If you're gonna, it, there was a moment in the Pats-Dolphins game this weekend where there was... Uh, three personal fouls on the one play and it yeah. obviously always ended up against the Dolphins as these things tend to do. Um, but yeah, they, I, I agree. It should be cumulative. The last one, I mean, look, Steelers fought through. They're coming out with another win. They fought back. I wish they hadn't, but they did. But the last one was probably the dirtiest of, the all, of all. Doing on Antonio Brown for the touchdown. Yeah. And he's, he got a ban and then the ban was reduced to a fine, which I was surprised by that because... It's it was leading with the head. It was targeting the head area. It was... It was a clear. Crown. It was a clear. I'm going to take him out. He's yeah. got the touchdown. I can't do anything about that, but I'm going to make sure he's... I'm going to try to put him out of the game. It was, it was, I'm going to try and send him unconscious yeah. so he doesn't hold on to the ball. It was yeah. kind of it. But look, uh, Steelers, Bengals, uh, Roethlisberger came out afterwards and said, ah, AFC North football. Uh, I mean, it was, it was certainly something that deserved... Uh, a boxing license at times. Yeah. It was vicious. Yeah. It, they said it was, it was a, a drawback from game 20 years ago. Yeah. He thought he moved on from those type of games. But we'll see. We'll see if uh, the fines and the, the, the penalties have all been assessed and the suspensions have all been assessed. Um, but the injuries. I mean, Shazir obviously is a big loss to the Steelers. Perfect Mixon. I mean, the Bengals weren't going anywhere, but you know, they're, yeah, they're but all interesting for this. Like, what's all this has gone on in terms of injuries this week? And obviously the conversation with Steelers players being, you know, the pair that's hospitalised and all the rest. Steelers have another NFC 
North Grudge match this weekend, and it's against, against the, the Ravens, Ravens at home, which is always a similar enough type of game. And I love the description of the Ravens' defense. I was reading, I think, in SI this weekend, uh, they just said they're nasty. And I was yeah. Like, yeah, that's well, they look nasty these days. It's the thing that's keeping them in the playoff hunt. Yeah, their yeah. defense. Uh, and although their offense did get cracking uh, a little bit better this weekend, they played against the Detroit Lions. They were at home. Uh, the Ravens did dominate. And, but the offense showed signs of life. There was a bit of a running game. Flacco did make some throws. They got put up 38 points in the end. Um, uh, so, like, I have to admit, I went with Detroit in this game. Gordon went with Detroit. I thought Ravens going to fall away and not make the playoffs. But Yeah, I just, you know. so I just thought with the at home and the defense, if you have seen the game the week before, I think they were playing against the Packers, completely dominate, albeit it's only. But, again, very dominating performance on defense. And this week, again, Against the Lions, I mean, the Lions came back and made a bit more. Uh, the score looks, in terms of the reflection on the game, doesn't really do, it, do itself justice. The Ravens were completely dominant. Mm. And on offense, you're right, they got a bit, bit of a game going. But uh, Collins, the uh, running back, the Irish dancer, the, the guy that's been doing a bit of Irish dancing, seems to come on. He had two touchdowns last weekend. He looks really good. So maybe that's what they needed. They needed a yeah. running game to help them uh, through this patch. And the, yes, you're right, the Lions came back a little bit, but they always do. They always, yeah. but way too far behind. Um, I should flag for listeners, um, we're, we're going to kind of more focus on the playoff teams uh, this week. So we're not necessarily going to dwell on the Giants' loss to the Raiders 24-17. Even though there are a couple of interesting pieces, we're not going to dwell on the 49ers uh, beating the Bears 15-14. Although two things that must be noted, uh, Jimmy G is now 3-0 and as a starter. Jimmy, don't ruin the draft pick. Stop winning. Um, but probably one of the most electrifying plays of the season, Tariq Cohen's punt return where he looped back 14 yards at reversed field and somehow turned it all into an amazing punt return for seven. Yeah, when Red Zone went over to that particular play and you call it the red alert, you're thinking, and then he's going back 20 yards, I'm thinking, oh, something's going to go wrong against him here. In fact, it goes the other way and he returns it for the touchdown. He, re- was brilliant, he returns it in the speed. I yeah. mean, it was just like he put it into another gear. That was pretty yeah. impressive. But other than that, it and was... Well, Robbie Gould, probably the only other caller for that game, Robbie Gould going back to... Uh, Kicker's Revenge. Five field goals. You know, he seemed to enjoy the last one anyway. Yeah, so. no, no. He definitely enjoyed the last one. 24-yard chip shot in the last minute to win it. Um, you know, Jimmy G was having a bit of trouble in the red zone, but sure, we've all been there, Jimmy. It's yeah. happened. Uh, Cowboys, Redskins. Like this, I'm sorry, this isn't a playoff team game. Yes, the Cowboys surprised us. They won out 38-14. Kind of sparked again by a big punt return. This one by Switzer in the first half, and they certainly performed better than we were expecting on the pod last week. Um, figured it out a little bit more on offense. But I can't see them making up two games, which is what they'll need to pick up a wild card. Uh, they'll have to make up two games on Seattle and uh, Carolina, and even uh, and even spots. with that, even in the that kind of run of teams that are six and six, that are you know are plugging to get back into the playoff race, they're behind Green Bay as well. Yeah. So they've got to actually go overcome two teams, you know. And you look at the games they've got left; they've got a few divisional games. I think it's gone for for Dallas. Yeah. yeah. So look, I mean, it's the only one that keeps them alive. Definitely skins out of the yeah. equation, uh, but uh, we're not ranking them. And another team, you said they've got to overcome the pack. Uh, the Green Bay Packers beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just about, 26-20. Opened up the game plan with read option for Brett Huntley, uh, who's now 2-5 and five as a starter. But still, it feels like these teams are going nowhere. Uh, Bucks are definitely out of the running. Packers would have to go some, again, to squeak into a wild card. The thing is, with the pack at the moment, it's under the radar and it's floating out there. People aren't really reading too much into it. Rodgers is back training. Yeah. Took the scout team this week in terms of he took what's believed to be the Browns play calling. In the, in the sessions ahead of this weekend's game. And on the basis, they win. 
this week they've confirmed pretty much that he's going to start Sunday week against Carolina because then they'll be seven and six and if they can run the table and get to ten and six division's gone but wildcard could be an possibly, option possibly. well particularly as you say because they've got a game against Carolina it, unbelievably is so much is going to rest on Hunley's shoulders in the Browns game but if they then beat Carolina that's picking up a game and the tiebreaker against one of the wildcard contenders and I believe yeah they have one of those games is at home to Minnesota and Minnesota at that stage now possibly could be locked in at one and two so it depends what team they put out yeah. So you could argue they're going to win that. And the other, the other variable, and we'll skip to, to looking at them in a second now, is the Saints, because the Saints in two of their next three games play the Falcons. So yeah. that could be either removing the Falcons as a threat or potentially undermining the Saints' season a little bit. I'd, I'd like to think it's probably the former rather than the latter. Uh, the Saints this weekend had a divisional game, as I say, against Panthers, top of the table clash effectively in that division. They ran out quite comfortably, I would say, 31 20 31-21 winners. They were at home. Saints in the Dome are too strong. And it's all about the run game again. This time, it was more Mark Ingram than Alvin Kamara, uh, who had some fantastic runs, uh, really, that, that set up great field position for the Saints. But it's the combination of the two. Yeah, uh, Kamara's electric, though, really. Is. He's so oh, he's amazing. He's yeah. amazing. But I, I, was, I was actually very impressed with Ingram, who's kind of been the unsung story a little bit behind him all season. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was a game where he really came to the fore. And Kamara's actually come out this week and said that Ingram has taken him under his wing and he's literally doing everything he can. And he's the proper pro. And his father played for the Giants as wide receiver and during the 86 team. And he, he said this week, if I couldn't learn from my dad in terms of how to be a proper American football player, but on and off the field, who can you learn from? So... His attitude seems to be spot on. The whole Saints organization seems to be spot on at the moment. Years of conflict seems to have gone. Yeah, they just look like they've got a defense that is operating. Cam Jordan, his name I'm going to give you. I was giving yeah. him props the other week. I think he has a really good shot at being Defensive Player of the Year. A little yeah. bit under the radar, wide open this year, but he he would deserve it. I would say. If um, they win to save him, they're playing the Falcons. They're in Atlanta yeah. tonight. If they win, I think that would kill off the Falcons. Yes, particularly because the Falcons are at home. And, and like I say, it's the unusual circumstance where they haven't played the Falcons yet. They get them twice in three weeks. Yeah. Um, it, and I can't see the Falcons necessarily winning in the Superdome. Um, no. But of course, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium tonight, they're going to be in a dome in great positions. It's a huge NFC South game and probably last chance for the Falcons. So Yeah, and the, the factor of this new home stadium has gone against them. They've lost two home games this season, which, you know, it obviously kind of tends, tends to happen with teams that... Move to new stadiums. I saw an article with Mike Ryan actually encouraging fans to be louder. I know there's a lot of empty seats in the place as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, expensive PSLs and all yeah, that. Yeah, true enough. Although they've got the cheapest beers and concessions. So, you know, maybe Arthur Blank did something when he learned how to maybe stop dancing drink, last he's season. He's the one drinking the beers, having the dancing. Probably. Speaking of the Falcons, the reason they're in difficulty is because they lost last weekend. Uh, Big game against the Vikings. The Falcons were at home, and like you said, the home advantage didn't help them. It was a close one, 14-9, but the Case Keenum convoy carries on. For, uh, 14-9, he led them to another win. They've moved into number one seed with the loss of the Eagles to the Seahawks based on, uh, I think it's one of the later tiebreakers like strength of schedule or conference record. Um, and, you know, not the same high-powered offense and not the same amount of points they'd like to put up, but it's a win, it's a big win, and it's an important win for the Vikings. It just proves they can go on the road into, you know, against tougher teams and win those games. I mean, they keep, every week, because some of us are going against them, and they keep surprising us with these wins. And well, 51 Super Bowls we've had, never with a home team making the Super Bowl, and certainly not with winning the Super Bowl. The number one seed at the moment. Exactly. You're thinking... 
they could stay in Minnesota for all the way through the season. Only, uh, one, the way te- only, the teams, only one team has won there this year in Minnesota. Do you know who that was? Well, they're ten and two. I'm trying to remember. Um, it's not the Giants, anyway. No, definitely not. No, go on, go on. The, the Lions. Ah, that's right. That was early in the season. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So you'd actually probably write that one off because early in the season, the form really hasn't. Yeah, week three, in. wasn't it? Or yeah, very early. Yeah. So, uh, well, look. I mean, as you say, Vikings are ten and two. Eagles are ten and two. Vikings now got one seed. So, looking exciting and interesting. The Eagles, as I said, lost. They went down 24-10 to the Seahawks. Again, Brian, got to give you a heads up. You called this one. Uh, what was the line you used last week? Uh, Carson Wentz, Sunday night, 12th man, good luck. God bless you. God bless you. That was, uh, <laughs> that was it, yeah. Um, and that's what happened. The, the Seahawks defense turned up. He was uh, chasing pillar to post all night long. He handled it very well in terms of the hits he got, but the Seahawks got a... Good. They got up a couple of scores very early on and there was no really way back for the And game. Russell Wilson performed a bit of magic at times. Uh, Chris Long was recorded after the game saying, no, there was one instance where I thought I had a bead on him and he was just quicker than I thought. He was yeah. just like, you know, he, how, can I, how can I pin this, this guy down? Baldwin and Graham help him, helped him out, but Russell Wilson's putting together an MVP type season in Seattle. He is the offense. He is yeah. the running game. He is the passing game. And, uh, and uh, last night I was watching a bit of coverage and it was actually a very good point saying the Hawks offensive line is no better to the Giants offensive line no the difference is Wilson can scramble and Eli can't you know and that's oh the, the, the Hawks offensive line is still atrocious that's, that's yeah. the, that will get them in the end because they won't get a home field game in the playoffs they'll end up likelihood on the road and that's, yeah, that's I think that would be just one too much in yeah. relation to it. But um, the Seahawks keeping themselves in strong position. Of course, if they make up the game on the Rams, they've still got one game against them. They have the tiebreaker. Yeah. So they could still be in line for the divisional win there. I saw it afterwards, and I wish I'd seen it beforehand. Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll have never lost a regular season game to a team with more than 10 wins. They're now 4-0 and in those games. So that's a, an, an interesting stat to bear in mind later in the season or next season if yeah. they have such a game. Um we're talking, I suppose, we're going to focus on playoff games There's or games involving playoff um, uh, connotations. Hottest team or one of the hottest teams in football, San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. They were at home to the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, the Cleveland Browns are not a hot team, and it was a scrappier game than you would have liked from a Chargers perspective, 19-10 winners. But they're now tied in division lead with um, the Raiders and the Chiefs, 6-6. Six and six. They have fall back from a 0-4 and four start and you'd certainly rate their chances better than the Chiefs or the Raiders at this stage. Yeah, I mean, as you said, the game wasn't really good. I think see, the problem with that game, everybody just assumed they would win by a landslide and it didn't play out that way. The Browns played tough but you do, you know, come the early second half, the Chargers were going to do enough to pull away and win the game. You're right, they're in a strong position. Three teams within the AFC West 6-6 six and six this weekend. You've got the uh, Redskins going into San Diego. The Redskins, as we said, seem to be falling off the cliff a little. Uh, you'd expect the Chargers to win. And then on the other side, you've got the Raiders and the Chiefs. One of them is going to knock each other off this weekend. So, yeah, the Chargers have a really, really great chance. And if you look at the running, they've a reasonably soft schedule. They should. There's a possibility they could win now. Yeah, I mean, it's all divisional games yeah. pretty much going forward um, or key divisional games. But, they, yeah, they could easily win out. And that yeah. would be a, a huge story uh, and a huge turnaround for them. Um, <clears throat> one other story from the game must be mentioned, Josh Gordon. Finally back. Uh, first game since 2014, I want to say. Um, he got four catches for 88 yards. He would have had about 200 yards if he'd had a better quarterback uh, because he was getting clean, open, 
at ease. And the Chargers have a good secondary. So, uh, you know, some team is probably going to take a shot on him yeah, in the offseason. So. I'd imagine he's, he's thinking, if I can get back here, play four or five reasonably good games. My value is going to increase and someone yeah. will give me a one-year deal or a shot. Of course, you're yeah. going to run the risk with suspension. He did also come out a couple of weeks ago and say he used to make 10 grand a week in college from selling pot. As you do. So, as, as you do. So uh, You just tell people these type of things. Yeah. So I think if, if the NFL, which has been mooted, remove marijuana from the list of banned substances, the biggest beneficiary may well be Josh Gordon uh, overall. Yeah. Um, from, a, from a personal and a business perspective, perhaps. Uh, we mentioned the Chiefs in one of the, we- the the rockiest games of all. Last week we were saying they're going to bounce back. They have to bounce back. Okay, they're going to play the Jets. Jets have been playing tough. But basically the Chiefs' season depends on this. 31-38 in favour of the Jets. They conceded 38 points to the New York Jets. And they were 14 up in the fourth quarter. Kelsey, two touchdowns. And you're thinking they're, yeah. ba- they're Done. good again. The, even the other touchdowns was long balls to Hill and we touched on it last week how the play calling had gone back to a kind of a more conservative approach but they changed that this week Andy Reid handed over the reins elsewhere and you're thinking okay here we go this um, looks like they're back to what we saw in week one to week five and defensively now they've looked like they've just fallen apart you know and Peters has now been suspended by Andy Reid for some of the stuff that's gone on well, well I mean it was at the end of the game throwing away the flag yeah. uh, into the crowd that was quite amusing oh, he's one of the better players they need him they need him and like what what are you doing? You're like you're you're trying to kill yourself here. You need him on the pitch against the Raiders on Sunday. Well, I mean, at the end of the game there, the Jets were charged driving, uh if they got a if they got a field goal, they're going to lose by two points. If they got a touchdown, obviously it's a slightly different story. And they went for two and they got the two touchdown lead. But they end up with twelve consecutive plays in the five yard line within the five yard line because of penalties. Yeah. And at the end of it, I mean, th- that allowed them to bleed the clock. And that's why they lost the game. And the the instant we're referring to is uh, the uh, on the two point attempt, the uh, official threw a flag on Peters for holding or won the defensive backs. Peters picked it up and threw it into the crowd. And the best bit about that was then the TV cameras go into the guy in the crowd who's caught it, who's taking selfies with his mates and yeah. taking videos. And yeah, the bottle of a window machine and all there he had. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was uh, certainly uh, amusing from Jets fans at a great home game win. And we said it at the top, Bowles has got them playing tough. They've performed. They've outperformed most people's expectations. So, um, dare I say, fair play to them. And as a Pats fan, thank you for ruining your draft pick, Jets. We're delighted to see it. Um, Two more, three more games to run through. AFC South, the two divisional games with the two leading teams coming out on top. Uh, Titans won a close one with a late garbage time TD to seal the deal. And the Jags were rather comfortable against the Colts. I mean, we've said it before, it's between the two of them. They're coming to a Week 17 showdown. You know, could we get your popcorn ready? That's the late night Sunday night game. It looks that way. Yeah, yeah, and but it doesn't very little to say. To, you know, as you said, it, the two teams won, and it was expected. Yeah, and whoever doesn't win is really in pole position for a wild card as well. So yeah. uh, again, you could, we sorry we were talking about it last week. It could easily be they finish uh, three and six or four and five, and end up being uh, probably three and six is what you're hoping for in terms of meeting up twice in a row. Yeah. Uh, but we will see how it plays out. So there's only one more game. We started off with uh, a big talking point from. The Giants world, um, and I'm sure you want to bring up a big talking point from New York Patriots, New York Patriots, New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Pats won 23-3. We keep the winning streak going, 10 and 2, and effectively the AFC East locked up. Um, the next Patriots win or Bills loss secures the division for the Patriots. They look comfortable. Bills really never got going on offense. The Patriots, I still feel the defense is there to be exposed, but it's just about holding together. 
Um, and Gronk had a great game. In the second half, he got over 140 yards and Brady was throwing the ball around and the run game went well. And um, Eric Lee, that's the talking point. Eric Lee signed off the Bills practice squad two weeks previously. And then he came out with one and a half sacks, an interception, a false, uh, not a false fumble, but plenty of tackles for loss. That's, you know, that's the talking point. That's the talking point. That's clearly all we want to talk about here. Okay. Well, I'll give you two. Which one do you want to start with? We'll start with the Brady one. I'll give over. No, no, hang on a second. Right. So Brady has a play. He tries to squeeze it into Cooks, who's not available. Dorset is clean open on the other side. Hands in the air. So as any offensive coordinator is in the position to do and he's right to do, is call out the quarterback for not, not doing the right selection. Brady then has an absolute strap on the sideline. Makes a show of himself. Inexcusable behaviour. I'll the give over. So what you have in the league now is players who do... October the 1st, Antonio Brown, Big Ben, massive row on the sideline. The, the media that week, uncalled for, shouldn't behave like that. Tom Brady does it. It's competitive edge. That's okay. It's like the better you are and the more successful you are, you get away with these types of things. Odell Beckham does it all the time, and Odell Beckham's a child that needs to grow up. Tom Brady needs to oh, grow sorry, up. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Are you seriously going to compare I'm just Odell Beckham kissing, kicking nets, proposing to kicking nets, behaving like a bloody diva, you to can't, Brady you can't. having a bit of passion about the game? Look... He, ca- he cursed so out. So Beckham's ba- not passionate about the game. Is that what you're saying? Oh, Beckham's just passionate about himself, I think. But, but Brady... You can't enough, excuse it. You can't time. excuse it. He had a row with his offensive coordinator. Well, there wasn't I'm a row. There was only one person looking for the row. Well, no. McDaniels was having he a go as a point. well. Yeah, and Brady had a point Brady, back. Brady, Brady goes by him. Brady's point by back him. was probably, I bloody know I missed it, lads. You don't need to point it out. He's annoyed at himself. Brady's had that before. He's given out to himself. And he's shown his passion and annoyance at himself more than anyone else. But when Big Ben does it, it's There's a very simple solution to this. You know, you might remember the famous incident he had with Bill O'Brien, where Bill yeah. O'Brien gave a lot more back than Josh McDaniels gave back. Um, there's yeah, one he, common tried to, he tried to make a show of Bill O'Brien as well. Then. No, no, he didn't try to make a show. Yeah. He had a spirited discussion. Brian Hoyer was the backup in both occasions. So clearly Brian Hoyer is the culprit. Okay. And he's just winding up Brady. That's, that's He's the antagonist. And then we'll get on to the Gronk one. But super, look, super go, away, go away with the Brady one. You're just being no. a troll on that one. But we'll go on to the Gronk one. And let me get out there first. It was appalling. He shouldn't have done it. He deserves the match suspension. Super fly Jimmy Snooker would have been proud of that. It was, a, it was a cheap, cheap shot. I know... Everyone knows he was frustrated. I mean, on the playing question, he actually got held three times and got past interference and didn't get he's a call. He's six foot six and he's and 270 pounds. Of course, he's going to get held during the game. Yeah, but he shouldn't be. The rules are the rules. It doesn't matter if you're six foot six and 260 or if you're five foot six and 160. The rules are the rules. And Gronk has been going through his career never getting the calls. He got another it, it, absolute nonsensical OPI call in the first half. However, <laughs> none of that justifies it. He should have got suspended. He's lucky, potentially, it was only one game. Although then after seeing the GBH that went on in the Steelers games, uh, it would have been difficult to justify him yeah. give it, getting more. Um, I don't understand why he appealed it. I know the Players Association. I, I know why he appealed it, because of his incentives. So it doesn't actually cost Gronk one match ban, it, it, one match uh, paycheck. It could cost him two million because of the incentives he has to hit. Okay. So basically, that's why, if I was in his shoes, I would have appealed I it. think the players' association just automatically come out and appeal. Yeah, they do. And, and certainly until this week, there was a lot of uh, history with the, uh, the fines and the appeals and the games automatically being reduced. So maybe relying upon that. But in fairness to Bill Belichick, the first, he was absolutely yeah. livid. Yeah. I mean, he said straight on the field to... Uh, 
Yeah, that was going to use a different term, but that is what yeah. he said yeah. to uh, yeah. Sean That's McDermott. Said, so. <laughs> um, and uh, he was visibly uh, unhappy at a later stage. So you can be damn sure that Gronk's going to hear it in training going through and don't hurt the team. So, yes, Gronk shouldn't have done it in the same way. Perfect shouldn't have got blown up by Smith Schuster and the attack shouldn't have happened on Antonio Brown. Let's not make it 10 times worse because it's the Pats, okay? Okay. Right, that's last week's games. We're going to turn to this week's games in due course. Uh, what's the picks update, by the way? We've only got three weeks left, isn't it? We are got four weeks left. We are got the same this week, 11 hours, 16. So what's that mean for the overall totals, Brian? You've got a five-game lead. Oh, okay, sorry. Just wanted to hear it out loud yeah. again. That's fine. So uh, Mark's walking away with that one, but I do have to hold on to it for four more weeks. So I'll shut yeah. up at the moment. We have a Devon's Lock situation there. A Devon Lock situation, yeah. Um, or uh, Denver Broncos under Josh McDaniels yeah. even um, right let's turn our attention to next week's games week 14 as we've said already starts with the big uh, Thursday night NFC South clash Brian let's get on to picks who you got Saints Falcons yeah um, no I'll stick with the Saints I know it's it's in a way it's a road game but as we said the Falcons have lost two at home and I think the Saints know if they win this they'll put the Falcons away and focus then on possibly trying to get that fourth or second seed. I'm with you. Saints all the way for me in relation to this one, even though the Falcons are at home. Next game, uh, Bears at the Bengals. Um, Bears, you know, they're playing reasonably tough. Fox is gone, clearly. Cohen and Howard are a great combination. Um, Trubitsky threw a little bit more in the 49ers game, but still doesn't have anything to play with, really. And the Bengals, how do they rebound after that Steelers game? I'm going to go a little bit against the grain here. I think the Mixon, if he doesn't play, is going to be more hurtful. I'm actually going to go with the Bears in this one. Yeah, I can see where you're going on this one. And the Bears have actually already won a game within that division. They went into Baltimore and won earlier in the season. So, um, no, I'm going to stay with the Bengals. The one thing about the Bengals this year, they've been very competitive at home. They've won quite a few home games and arguably they should have won last weekend. So, I'll stick with the Bengals. Fair enough. Next 1pm game, we start to get to the dross of the season a little bit where you start getting teams playing playing games you don't really want to watch. I mean, some of them will end up being entertaining, but this is certainly one. The Detroit Lions going away to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both teams are in reverse. Lions' hopes of a wild card are surely shot at this stage um, because they're too far behind on tiebreakers, etc. as well. Um, I can't see past the Lions because the Buccaneers have been so poor. Um, but equally, the Lions, every chance they've had, have kept blowing up. So uh, I'll stick with the Lions, but I'm, I can't say I'm enthused about the game. No, I agree with you. It's a case of picking who you think is the better of the two poorer teams. Yeah. And, and on that basis, I'd stick with the Lions. Yeah. Um, next game, Packers at the Browns. We said earlier it's important uh, for the Packers, but if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, Gordo, God love you, um, this surely is one of the games you've got to highlight as we're possible. four games away from 0-16. It's a possible. We're at home. We've got Brett Huntley. Yes, they broke out the read option, but we've got a week to prepare for that this week. Where do you see it? It looks like Huntley at this stage is starting to show signs of progress in terms of he's picking up the offense. He put on a very good display two weeks ago when he went into Heinz Field against the Steelers, which was, you know, everybody expected the Steelers to win comfortably. They didn't. In the end, they won by field goal. And last weekend... A reasonable game against Tampa Bay, who aren't great, but you're you're up against the Cleveland Browns. Like surely, surely, God, the Pack know we're getting Rodgers back the week after. Whatever chance we have this season, Huntley, this is the one game we need you to perform in. Do it, and if we do get the playoff, you'll get some you'll get some credit. So Packers will win. Packers will win. I I have the Packers in this as well. Um, 
the big thing for me in the last game against the Bucks was that their defense started to show up. Clay Matthews got a couple of sacks. Everyone in the, got into the backfield quite a bit. And I think you'll do that against Deshaun Kaiser and the Browns quite uh, comfortably. So I'm on the pack on this one. Uh, next game features two of my favorite teams in the world. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts going away to the Buffalo Bills. Now, if the Colts won, it would seal the AFC East for the Patriots. But I think we'll try and take care of business ourselves against the Dolphins on Monday Night Football. Um, Bills are just a better team. Um, despite the poor performance of the weekend against the Patriots, only 86 yards passing and the run game w- was effective in parts. Uh, the Colts are not the New England Patriots and the Bills need it to stay in contention in the wild card. So I, uh, Bills all day for me. Yeah, without a doubt, that defence you'd expect on Sunday to go after uh, Jacoby. And <clears throat> yeah, Bills should have enough to win the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, next game, talking about Good games. We're talking about bad games. That's the way a good game. Vikings, 10-2, and two, number one seed, away to the Carolina Panthers. Sitting at Eden 4, second in the NFC South, coming off that loss uh, against the Saints, really needing a bounce-back game. I mean, this could be a ding-dong. Could be a ding-dong. I've said a few times during the year where you see matches where desperate teams have to win, and they do win. And for that reason, I have a feeling Panthers will win. I'm really annoyed you said that because I was going to go with the <laughs> Panthers as well. I was thinking this is going to be a point of difference. Um, I And I said earlier I'm making the mistake of picking against the Vikings all the time, but just well, I, this I, one. I went with the Vikings last week so I fancied them greater against the Falcons. I think they will slip up at some point. I can't see them running the rest of the table, even though they've been so consistent. And yeah. in this game... Yes, they've got a very scary defensive front, but the Panthers' offense it can be if they're firing so multiple and they are a good defense in yeah. their own right. Uh, because it's home, because they really need it, I, I am going with the Panthers as well. I think we haven't called that recently. He had a slow start to his fourth season, but McCaffrey's really come on now and starts to look very dangerous. He's come on in the run game a little bit more because at first he was just a receiving threat, but yeah. even the receiving threat on the option routes and everything is yeah. something else. I'd love to see, actually, you know, they've got McCaffrey, um, who's come on well. Um, Samuel was their second, Curtis Samuel was their second round pick. And, of course, you've got Newton, who's probably one of the best, along with Wilson, running quarterbacks in the game. You could do some fun designs. Like, I mean, they had some, they had a really good play call in the earlier season. But what about um, X routes, where one receiver takes it and laterals it to another Open up the field. They've quite a lot. They seem to have pulled away from that reason. I mean, like, I'm not even saying it's a trick play with three ball handlers and skill players at that level. You could do it a bit more. I'm thinking as well of Wilson during the week, um, lateraling the ball halfway down, you know, on a run out to the running back and things like that. I mean, Panthers have the team that could do stuff like that to really mess. I think Wilson was being very clever there. I think he was thinking, once I lateral this, I'm going to get smashed and I'll get you. I'll I'll get my 15 yard penalty in relation to it. So I'm taking a punt here, throwing it, but it's going to go with me anyway. But it worked out anyway. They they ended up at more yards than 17 extra yards on the run. Yeah, that's true. So um, (coughs) we're with the Panthers on that one. Um, Raiders at the Chiefs. This is two teams who are imploding. I mean, no, no one is imploding like the Chiefs at the moment. You said it when we were talking about breaking down the Jets game. They had the explosive plays. They had Kelsey. They had Tyreek Hill on two long bombs. Alex Smith, one rush for 70 yards. You know, it, they they have rejiggered the offense and it seemed to work and the defense promptly blows up. Yeah. So, um, I really don't know where to go in this game. I really don't. Like the Raiders, they won last week against the Giants. They were, they were poor. They won the week before that, I think, 
They no, they lost to the Patriots, Mexico Sorry. City. Sorry, and they weren't very good at all. It's hard to tell what, what to expect from the Raiders. I'm going to go with the Chiefs again. <laughs> and I'm going to go with the Raiders. I I, I know we, I, I, I'm equally torn on this. You, you're not sure how to play it or not sure how to call it. Um, I just think the home field factor, because it's such a big game and the crowd will be on their backs in terms of the Raiders. The Raiders beat the Chiefs at home with that late dramatic touchdown, dramatic touchdown on uh, Monday night, late Sunday night. Uh, football. Thursday night game. Oh, it was a Thursday night game. That's right. I knew it was a primetime game. But um, I think they're going to go in with a bit of confidence that we can beat them. Peters, as you say, is suspended. So that's one of their best cornerbacks uh, out of the game. And um, I just think the Kansas City Chiefs are finding new ways to lose. Uh, maybe Cordo will get his wish before the end of the season when Patrick Mahomes. Actually, I feel sorry for poor Cordo. He's not here this week. And out of his four teams... The Falcons lost, the Chiefs lost, the Browns lost, and the Steelers just got away with it. It was nearly a perfect zero for four week. You know? Yeah. Maybe there's other reasons why he's not here to recall today. I, I'm not next sure. Se- next season, he'll probably have two or three new teams. He, he'll have to add a couple. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, moving on. The San Francisco 49ers at the Houston Texans. Another, another game you'd have no interest in watching this weekend. Um, I'll side with the Texans at home. I'm siding with the Texans just because I want the 49ers second round draft pick to be as high as possible for the Patriots. So um, um, I don't have great confidence in the Texans, but you know, that's who I want to win. So that's who I'll pick. Seahawks at the Jaguars. Now, this might not be pretty. This might be a defensive big, masterclass. Big game. Big game for both teams. A low scoring game. And I'm going to side with the Seahawks. Seahawks. You have to go with the Seahawks. You just... He just like they went into the Rams this season when everybody thought the Rams would beat them, and they just edged out the game. It was a poor one. They just tend to win these low-scoring games. Do there, enough. There is one caveat on that, and that is they are playing Saxonville. Uh, Jaguars still on target to break the NFL record for sacks, uh, I believe. Yep. I think they have fifty-one sacks and the record seventy-six. So you know they're there or thereabouts. Um, and we've already talked about how bad the offensive line of Seattle is. So. They could blow it all up and catch Wilson a couple of times, but I think the boy's playing with a bit of magic in his feet at the moment, and he'll do enough to stay alive. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going Seahawks. Yeah, yeah same here. So, uh, we'd move on to late-night games. New York Jets are going away to the Denver Broncos. Uh, for me, again, this isn't going to be a fascinating game. Jets obviously have to deal with the altitude, but we talk about implosions. I mean... You called it earlier on. Vance Joseph is is gone. He has to be gone. Even if he wins his last four games of the season, Elway is going to be ruthless and get rid of him. He is not happy with the direction of the team. And the New York Jets have been competitive and more than we would have expected. So I'm going with the Jets in this game. We're agreeing on too many this week, Mark. I'm siding towards the Jets as well. Um, we used to go on about mile high and yeah. how you know such a tricky place to go and nine times out of ten the home team win. But this isn't the Broncos of old. This is a very poor side. And if you're Elway, and I'm sorry, sorry, I assume you're going Jets. So I don't yeah, yeah, but if Jets, you're yeah. Elway, um, do you blow it all up? Like, you know, you've got a lot of expensive players on defense there a little bit. Do you go back to a real rebuilding? None of the quarterbacks have shown anything, uh, really. I, I wouldn't trust Simeon. I wouldn't trust Paxton Lynch. Uh, I certainly wouldn't trust Brock Osweiler. Uh, you've got a very expensive defense there. Obviously, you don't let Von Miller go anywhere. Um, but... You know, people like to leave, people coming into the last or second last year of their contracts, you might get some trade value for. Yeah, do you strip it down and build it back up again? I believe so. I'm not so much I'm not too sure on the defensive side of the ball, but in particular the offense, like that offensive the de- sorry, the wide receivers 
non-existent. Sanders is not the player he was. The run game, Anderson really hasn't come on from that first year. He's going to, this is his third year now, I think. Yeah. And he really hasn't progressed what what we thought. And then the quarterback situation is a mess. Three quarterbacks there. Well, Brock, I wouldn't even probably just two Paxton and Simeon and neither are up to neither are up to it. And they're dangerous in terms of this draft, which is worries me. The Giants are going to pick a quarterback because they're three and seven, and they could easily see Elway. Three and nine. Sorry, three and nine, but you can see Elway easily will come draft time. He's the kind of general manager who will push to move up yeah, and pick the quarterbacks. And there's two in particular, Josh Rosen and uh, Sam Darnold, and everybody's saying, okay, which one of the Giants picking? But you don't want to find yourself getting out at number two slot and letting San Francisco go in there because San Francisco are after a running back. That running back will still be there around four or five if they don't pick him. So they might trade down. They could trade down and let Denver move up and get what they want. As they did in this year's draft, of course. Yeah. Um, Two quarterbacks in California, which isn't a million miles away from Denver. So, you know, you're keeping a guy on that side of the, of the world. There's a lot of reason why you could see Denver moving up and going for a quarterback. Yeah. I, I could also see if any one of those quarterbacks starts dropping at all, charges. Coming after him. Yeah. Very yeah. comfortably. Because Rivers is towards the end. Like just you talking about they're both LA based and everything. I mean, you see the in basketball the Lonzo Ball piece and everything. Chargers trying to establish themselves in the LA market. It's a very logical ploy for them. A lot, a lot of that's I'm not sure. I'm not sure of them, them trading up that far. But if someone's like dropping a la, a yeah. Aaron Rodgers, I, I could see them taking a few steps up. See, a lot of that depends on how well the Chargers finish the season. Ideally, they want to make the playoffs, and then you're talking about a pick around. 24, 25, it's too big, too yeah. big an ask. But maybe up. trading up to 12, 13, if, you know, even if the Giants and the, the Broncos pick one, I want to throw out a name, uh, and I don't follow college football half as close well, as Deshaun I do Watson, the NFL. Deshaun Watson went toward then. You know, you look at it from that point of view for the Texans. Yeah, um, they did, exactly. So, I mean, I think that kind of a leap is possible. And Baker Mayfield is the guy lighting up scoreboards, looks yeah. very interesting, very exciting, throws a great spiral. You know, maybe maybe he's going to be I've a surprise. I've his name, but he's under the radar. Yeah, yeah. I, I think along he could with, be a late with Josh Allen from Winnipeg. Is it? Um, I can't it's not Winnipeg because that's no. in Canada. No, it was. Uh, oh, who was it? Begins with a W, ends in a G. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to you on that one. Wyoming. That's the one. No, I'm not sure if that's. Anyway, we'll move on. That sounds like an American geography quiz. Yeah. Um, we'll find out. That's the podcast next. later on. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the podcast quiz question for this week. Um, we'll wrap up the last couple of games. Titans at the cards. Titans. Yeah, I agree on Titans. Uh, Redskins at the Chargers. I'm on the Chargers all day, every day yeah. on this one. Cowboys at the Giants. Cowboys. Yeah, I I could see the Giants starting off with, it, with, with their tails up because Eli's back in the team, but the reality is after about a quarter and a half... The they don't have enough talent. I, I want to say this is going to be very close. It's divisional. It's Giants-Cowboys. I think the crowd is going to be electric. It will be electric. And I imagine a half-time the score will be still close, but I think come to toward Fort Cowboys, who are still, as we said, have a reasonably... They've s- something to play for. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The I Giants have nothing on offense. I'm going to go Cowboys. Uh, Eagles and Rams. This is another cracker. You know, two teams really with a lot to play for. It really is a very tough one to call as well because the Eagles actually stayed out there all week. They've used the LA Angels uh, ground to get ready for the match and the Rams have come out saying they're concerned about the amount of tickets that are being exchanged. <laughs> Copying it, the Patriots. Yeah, go on. In the Eagles' fans' hands so they can see the, the stadium being half full of Eagles fans and uh, the Rams this week are, are working on signing counts. So it'll be interesting. Slide the Chargers games. I'm going to go with the Eagles. I am going... I don't... The, the Eagles have been so hot I don't see them losing two in a row 
Uh, I think I've I lot of love for the Rams. Lot of love for what Sean Buffet's done out there. Um, I don't think it would be the end of the world for them because I still think they will ultimately pip the Seahawks to the division title. But I I agree. I think it's the Eagles. I think they're going to bounce back from the Hawks game um, significantly. Ravens at Steelers. I'm going Ravens. Very inconsistent. Don't trust them as far as I can throw them. But the Steelers haven't been firing yet. And yeah, I I just see this one being one the Ravens going to pip. Well, if the Steelers win... Gordo's prediction five or six weeks ago that they'd come into that Patriots game in week 15. And there can't two. be a world where Gordo's right. But unfortunately, I think he will be right this week. <laughs> I think he's got to this stage where he's been right. I'd imagine he's riding that train all the way to Pittsburgh. Um, but Fair uh, play. Fair no play. So Steelers. you're going Steelers. Yeah. And then Patriots-Dolphins. Patriots, this one of the rare occasions and places where Tom Brady has a losing record. He's 7-8 and eight down in Miami. They obviously don't have Gronk. Chris Hogan's just like practice, but they could be shorthanded. They're very shorthanded on defense. I'm still going Patriots. It's going to be a lot closer than people think. The, the spread is 11.5, which is nonsensical, to be honest with you. Absolutely nonsensical, oh, but I'm still going Patriots. The last time they, I think they played a Monday night in Miami, Welker had that 95-yard touchdown pass. 99-yard pass when so. Brady threw for 517 yeah. yards on 34 for 48 passes, I think. Not that yeah. I remember the game at all. No, stats on the record. Week one or week two. It was week one. It was Monday Night Football. See, unbelievable stuff coming out of us today. And, uh, and I imagine we're going to see something similar. I can see a Cooks 90 Five, 85-yard touchdowns, something along those lines. Patriots will win comfortably. I'm not as convinced it's going to be so comfortable, but you know, hopefully, hopefully so. So and to be honest, if 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 Steelers are Patriots lose this weekend, it makes no odds. It's all going to come down to that game week 15, Sunday week. It does, but like it would be. Look, as a Pats fan, you ideally want to win in Miami. Steelers to lose against the Ravens. And then we win next week in, in Pittsburgh because the last two games of the season you don't have to worry about. Yeah, true. Like there's only a, a remote chance that I think um, Jacksonville could pip you on based on various tiebreakers and everything, but they've got to play Tennessee. So but I prefer the whole logic of keep on playing and keep on winning. We yeah, but, but Patriots are so injured. I mean, I think I really think I want to be as a Bats fan going into Week 17, and you, you're resting Brady, you're putting Hoyer in for the whole thing, you're resting Gronkowski, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but uh, it might not break like that. And, of course, they could end up having to go down to Three Rivers. Uh, well, it's not Three Rivers anymore. Sorry, Heinz Field. Yeah. And coming back about 40 well, years. I hope we can get Gordo on it next this one, on this show next week because... What oh, the build-up to 15 is uh, week 15 is going to be huge for the AFC. But it's about the only interesting thing in the AFC. I mean, we've got some new teams, but the NFC is where it's at this year. I can't wait for the NFC playoff games. I have to admit, I think they're going to be crackers. Yeah, I agree. So it's we'll see how it goes. Good podcast come January. It will be. So that's week 13 in the books, ladies and gents. We have a few teams on 10 and 2, um, but no one is sticking out from the crown necessarily yet. It's tight at the top of the AFC and the NFC. Seedings all to be decided. Divisional wins all to be decided. But hopefully by this time next week, at least we'll have one divisional winner already sewn up. That's the New England Patriots, just to check. Okay, uh, that's all from us this week. Um, join us once again next week. Remember to check out Past Pods on iTunes and SoundCloud and do subscribe so you don't miss any former episodes. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at IrishNFLPod. Uh, but for now, for the Irish NFL Podcast, brought to you in association with the 42.ie, I want to say thanks to our engineer, Jason. Thank you, Jay. And it's goodbye from Brian. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs>